You've got a very special treat today because on The Empire Show, we've got my mentor and my rich dad, Jim Franco. Hey friends, welcome. This is a very special episode of the Empire Podcast Show. And uh, well, I gotta tell you, I haven't been nervous interviewing some of the greatest speakers, Super Bowl athletes, uh, entrepreneurs on the planet, but I'm a little nervous today. And the reason for that is I've got a very <laughs> special guest. His name is Jim Franco. If you read my book, Man Up, then you heard me talk about Jim Franco. He was like a, uh, a mentor to me. Well, he was my first mentor, still is. Uh, you know, when you look back 20 years, you realize he was also a father figure. And he actually came down to the Fit Body Bootcamp headquarters here in the Empire Studios. And so I'd like to introduce you all to my mentor and friend, Jim Franco. Jim. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. Pete, nobody calls you Pete except family and me. That's I true. I walked in here to go, Pete, who are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> yeah, wrong building. By the way, I should tell you all, everyone watching and listening to this episode, uh, you'll hear Jim call me Pete. So my name is Bedros, and that is St. Peter. It's the biblical translation of, <laughs> in Armenian, it's the biblical translation of Peter. And at the gym, at the health club where I was a personal trainer, I went by Pete because yeah. no one could pronounce Pedros. It's funny, <laughs> once, you, once you get famous, then they, you have a little fame, then they can pronounce your name. Ah. But until then, everyone was like, Pedro? And I said, no, it's not Pedro, it's Pedros. I go, yeah, just, just fucking call me Pete. Pete. <laughs> you know, and that's how Pete stuck. Okay. Yeah, so Jim and a few family members still call me Pete, and uh, I think that's very nostalgic. So you and I met in, what, 2001, 2002? 2000, 2001, yeah. Yeah. And you came into LA Fitness and La Habra for a workout. I did. And um, I did. How did that go? Just getting out of my uh, third divorce. Oh, God. And I had to get back in shape. Yeah. Uh, and I said, it's time to get a really good personal trainer. I met this guy, and he was a super salesman, had a super positive attitude, and definitely sold me on, uh, I think I did two or $3,000 contracts. I don't know, but I had fun. Yeah. That's the most important thing. We did and what I remember about when LA Fitness opened up, had valet parking. Remember yes, that? Yes, I do remember that. And I used it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and did. I used it. You did. So Jim would roll up uh, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays at 2 or 3 in the afternoon for his sessions. And you would, uh, it was either the Mercedes or the Escalade that you would drive. And I would see through the glass. Um, I, didn't have, I didn't have a lot of money back then. I was struggling to get by. But um, it was neat to see that someone could own multiple cars. Like I, uh, up until that point, I didn't know anyone that owned multiple multiple cars. I know it sounds crazy, but I didn't know anyone that owned multiple cars. And I was like, this guy has multiple cars because he just stepped out of a different car today. And um, a couple of years later, when I bought my first new car with all the commissions I made from the personal training job there at LA Fitness, it was a Chevy Tahoe, which is the lower, lesser version of the Escalade right. that I would see you drive in with. And uh, uh, until today, I, I still drive. I drive the Denali now. I'm not, because the new new Escalades are a little too flashy for me. The Denali is just right. It's aggressive. It's it's more like like what I'm looking for. But um, interestingly, going sticking to cars real quick. Uh, so I've known Jim for 20 years, going on 20 years here. And interestingly enough, three years ago, could have been four years ago, I was in Buena Park, which is about 30 minutes from the headquarters here. And I happened to be in town in that area and I decided to pull into your headquarters, Autolog headquarters. And I've modeled 
everything about you so much, the way you speak, the way you set up your office. I showed you my office. It's all glass, just like yours was. It's, be, it's gotten stuck in my subconscious. That's super. That's I've, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, man. I've modeled so much that I pull up in my GTR, my Nissan GTR, and I see an identical silver Nissan GTR parked in your spot. And I said, man, Jim's going to be pissed because someone's, <laughs> someone's parked in his spot. And then I realized, of course, it was yours. But uh, the fact that I would go out and buy a, and I didn't know you had a silver GTR. Here too. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's crazy how we're on the same wavelength now after all those years. So um, can I ask you how old you were when you were training with me? Um, if you take 20 off of 76, I was about 56, 57 years old. 56, 57. Yeah. And you would come in with so much enthusiasm, so much energy, like you would roll in with thunder. Most people in their 30s and 40s have given up on life. How were you in your late 50s rolling in with so much enthusiasm and thunder and passion to your workouts? Well, I could go into a long story, but I'll make it kind of short. Sure. I've been very, very blessed by having a large amount of energy, drive, and passion about life, but mostly business and people. And I've kept that passion my whole entire life, and I'm still the same way when I walk in the gym. You are. I'm still the, yes, I'm still the guy walking. My dad called me boom, boom, because I'm always in a hurry. My company calls me, oh, look out, Franco's got another idea. Here we go again. But it's, uh, I, I've had a very blessed life. You have. And it hasn't even changed a bit since I met you. It's just been Fun. So you said you're 76 now. 76 now. 76. Going on 39. Going on 39. Going on 39. I know 39. that for sure. I walked into the guys. I walked into the headquarters here, and Jim had all three of our of our uh, video team laughing, and Joan there behind the counter laughing, and the same energy. As soon as I walked in, it's just that same Jim Franco energy. You've got more energy now, in fact, than you did in your 50s, which speaks volumes, I believe, to also how your mom and dad raised you, and. I met your mom once, I've met your dad several times because he was in charge of watering all the plants and making yours and your sister's, Phyllis's lunch. At 12 o'clock sharp. At 12 o'clock sharp, tuna and crackers. Because when he, when he first came working with us, mm -hmm. the, he would watch, we wouldn't have our lunch because we're busy, we're trying to build a business because it was pretty young back in those days. Yeah. And uh, But he would make us, he'd come and get both of us, make us come over the table, sit down, and he had this beautiful avocado tree in his backyard, and he had avocados as big as melons, unbelievable. And uh, we'll have a, a, a avocado or some soup or a salad, whatever he fixed for us every day at, at lunchtime. But he was, but what he was, he was my hero. He was the guy that just supported the heck out of me. No money, no education, but I was his son. Yeah. <laughs> it was huge. Little story. Uh, he was worked for Dixie Cup Company for 37 years. He worked in the printing department. He ran 15, 20 guys in the printing department. Uh, and that's how we got from uh, Eastern Pennsylvania to Canada to California. He came to me one day and he says, Wyo, that's a Italian for boys, says, they're going to take my people away, put me on swing shift. They got these young college kids coming in, you know, these big corporations, and I can't handle that. Going to work at, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night and getting off at six in the morning. I said, Dad, how long you got to before retired? He says, about six years. I said, do me a favor. Go to the office and find out what you would get at 65 and what they would give you today if you retired early. You, you got to have years in to retire. He goes, okay. It was... Huh, this long time ago, it was 
$475 difference. Wow. I said, Dad, do me a favor. Quit. Now. So he went on glory. Believe it or not, the plant actually folded six or seven years later. Oh, all okay. the guys that retired all died because they have nothing to do. Right. He, he said, I want to come work with you. But he said, the deal is no employees, no time clock. I just want to help. I said, okay. So even my auto parts stores, we used to run conduit and build shelves and all yeah. kinds of stuff together. He, we got to work together for 30 some years. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. Huh? And my sister, now both my daughters and my, my son-in-law are in the business with yeah. several other uh, family members. Uh, it's, wow. And he, you know what he taught me mostly? Hmm. One, the ability to really do a good day's job. He taught me how to work. Number two, he would give the shirt of his back to anybody. He sure Gracious. Would. He sure would. He was the friendliest man I, I met when I would come into the office. Isn't that amazing? Office. Yeah. Yeah, just absolutely friendly, watering all the plants. He'd greet me with a smile. We'd yuck it up until I you know, had to meet with you for the business that we had started together. I'm curious, did uh, w was he in there? Because I would only come to your office two or three times a week to meet for the high-tech trainer business that we started together. But was he working there five days a week? Like, was he in there full time? He was there at 5.30 in the morning every day. No kidding. And after he fixed us lunch, he says, okay, I'm going to the couch. Yeah. He'd take off in the afternoon and uh, do whatever. But in the beginning, he did all the landscaping, he did all the window washing, he vacuumed, he did all the trash. He completely kept my 18,000-foot square foot building and went apart. Yeah. Tidy. But as he aged, we took more and more of the responsibility away from him. Sure. But 95 years old. I mean, God bless him. And you know what? No ills, no bad karmas. Just one day, I had a casserole on a Sunday. And I bring it over to him and knocked on the front door. Mom had already passed away six, six months before at 94. Knocked at the front door, nothing there. So I walked in the backyard and he was sitting in a lounge chair underneath this beautiful, gigantic avocado tree, just asleep. So I went over there, Dad. And he had gone to see the Lord. And it was okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. perfect. Yeah. No suffering. No. Lived a phenomenal life. And he was sure. Every day, walk in my office and said, I'm so proud of you. Oh. Every day. He says, I know that you've been upside down a couple of times in your life. In fact, I... <laughs> Did you ever uh, not tell him when you were upside down? Oh, no, he knew. No, no, he was, uh, he was my best friend. He knew when I was sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars upside down. Oh, let's go all the way back when I first got my service date, 18 years old. I'm in high school, pumping gas in the service station. They hired me. I became the night manager. And I saw two Union Oil dealers go broke in that same service station on Beach Boulevard and Catella in Stanton. Yeah. Bottom line, these two guys went broke. So you, the big Union Oil guy comes out and talked to me about, what do you think? I said, well, these guys are running off the, the truckers because they won't give them the discount. The place is a mess. They don't have anything in the back room. They don't market. I said, can I have this service station? He said, ha, huh, I'm sorry, Jim. You're only 18 years old. No. But I told him how I was going to make this a business. So he leaves, goes back to you know, the next day he calls me up and says, you know what? If you can get your dad to co-sign, we'll let you have the service station. 18 years old, that I took that service station, doubled and tripled the gallonage, filled up the back room. But on the way, when I'm not a really good businessman yet, ah, ah, learning and growing, OGT, they call it on-job trading, 
Got to stay away from a high school diploma, but don't tell anybody. Let's just reiterate that real quick. OGT, on-the-job training. Right. They don't have that these days. No, they don't. They don't. They don't. And I learned, I'll tell you bubble wrap. a couple of things I learned in it, but let me finish that little story. So my dad co-signed low forms for $2,900. I get my service station. Went, balls of all, had a ball. Well, what I learned, first of all, because I didn't know the business, I didn't know what I, if I was going to make it or not, because it broke two other dealers that were old and smart and had money. I worked from 6 in the morning to 12 o'clock at night. I opened and closed that service station by myself for six months. I lived in Anaheim, so do the math. Yep. It was a 30-minute drive each way yep, to Stanton. I, was, I had about four and a half hours sleep every single night. But when it was time, two things happened. I would wash windshields and make them spotless. I and had cloth spray bottles in those days, not yeah. the squeegee things. And I make I would make it a a personal drive to make that windshield perfectly clean. A lady said one day, she says, "Why I come here is the way you wash my windows." Mm. So click, click, click. Customer service. Because you can get gas anywhere. Customer service. See what I'm saying? You can get gas anywhere. Even have your windshield kind of washed anywhere. Yeah. But I washed windows all the way around. We sometimes vacuum the cars. We walked out with our shorts and bow ties on one of the Sparkle Girl program three years in a row. But when I'm building a business, whoops, I wasn't watching my receivables, and pretty soon I couldn't fill my tanks. They called my dad at work and said, your son's in default. Hmm. My dad says, I'm sorry, I don't have any money. You know, it comes to me and says, what do you want to do? I said, let me work it out. It took me two and a half years to dig out of that in those days, it was only 10 or 15 grand I was upside down on. But in the 60s, <laughs> right. eh, 10 or 15 million. In, in, right, right. It might as well have been. You know what I mean? Just huge money. Yeah. So Carmen, your dad, Carmen, has really had your back since, since day one. Day one. Day one. Day, day one. one. I've seen so much influence from Carmen on you, having met Carmen so much. Let me tell you a funny story. When uh, <clears throat> So guys watching this and hearing this, when uh, I started my first company, my first business, you were there mentoring me, and uh, it was called High Tech Trainer. High -tech. The, the, it was supposed to be online personal training software, and we were loading up workouts on Palm Pilots that people would take into the gym. Me, and you, and out. your wife would yep. go out to gyms and actually record them and yeah. put them on the pilots. Yep. Yep. And so, when we started that company, you gave us a little, uh, a little, two desks in your office. You were kind enough to give us a corner to work out of. Well, you had that section over there on, yeah. the, on, the, on the left side of my yeah. building, yep. And it was great, we got to work out of there and it was the first experience I got into like, hey, this is a technically the high-tech trainer corporate office, right? And we weren't making any money yet, it was just all an idea and you were funding it and you were so kind enough to do that. But one day Carmen walks in through that back door, right. um, your dad and we get to talk and it was around the holidays. And hey, Carmen, what do you got going on this holiday for this Christmas? He's like, well, you know, in the years past I would, I would wear and I think your mom May was there as well. Your mom's name was May. May, huh? May. Your mom might have been there as well because I remember them walking in together. And I said, hey, what do you guys got going on for the holidays? And Carmen says, you know, well, in years past, I would wear a Santa suit and make everybody laugh and have a good time, et cetera. And then May turns to him and she goes, yeah, I made that for you. And then Carmen turns to your mom and says, no, May, it was store-bought. And before you know it, they're bickering right there in oh, yeah. front of us. Oh, yeah. And me and Di, who are newlyweds, are looking at each other like, this is going to be us like 50 years from now. No. <laughs> you know? No. That's the old Italian way they just argued a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yelled and screamed at each other. That was that was their personality. Do you understand yeah. that? Yeah. That's how they communicated. That was. And I didn't get it, and it upset me a lot. But um, yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> so anyway, that that was one of my fondest memories of your your father and your mom arguing. Your mom said, "No, I made you that Santa outfit." He goes, "It was store bought, May." And till this day, me and Di still every Christmas, well, you know, when we see Santa, I go, it's store bought, May," <laughs> you know, to die. Um, so anyway, man, you've helped me with, with high tech trainer. We built high tech trainer up. And do you remember the time we went to, we went to Chicago okay. to sell high tech trainer trade show? No, no. To sell high tech trainer to Bally's total, oh. the gym, the health club chain. Really? Now they're out of business, but we weren't there to sell them that. And, uh, that was one of the first times I'd been on an airplane and taken a business trip. You know, the only other time I'd been on an airplane was when I was six years old. We came to America in the Soviet Union. And, uh, and then you fast forward, I'm now in my late 20s, you know, 26, 27 at the time. And you said, hey, I, I got you a ticket. We're going to Bally's. We're going to sell them high-tech trainer. And I was excited for that. And I was like, all right, I get to see Jim Franco at work, like the ultimate salesman. And we went and we met with them. We did our thing. And on the way back, somehow, I remember the fact that you took off, you flew off to California, and I was stuck, and so there was something wrong with my ticket. And I remember you yelling from the other side of security, don't worry, you'll be fine. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I know I'm a grown adult, and I should be fine, but I'm nervous and scared because it was my first time flying on my own, right? And I was like, yeah, okay, Jim. And I was like, shit, what do I do now? <laughs> so that's the first thing I remember. The oh, second thing I remember about that trip was the morning that we were going to wake up and, and go and negotiate with Bally's. Uh, we, we, we stayed in the same room. You, you, we had gotten a room that had two beds. We stayed in the same room. And I think he had gotten a up an hour or so before me. And as I woke up, I could smell something. And, and all of a sudden, as I sit up. Coffee, the, obviously. It wasn't coffee. The bathroom door opens. And it was like a Snoop Dogg video, guys. Like, like literally, all this like smoke comes out of the restroom. And Jim Franco's coming out. Like, he was smoking a joint, like, getting his nerves right. Just relaxing before we went to negotiate. I thought that was cool as shit, man. That was so fucking cool. I could do that when I was younger. Now you were almost sixty. But now it's only for medicinal. Medicinal in the evening, <laughs> not in the morning. I can't do it in the morning anyway. Oh. Only in the evening. Yeah. Anyhow, do you, do you smoke? Do you smoke daily? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Good for you. Me and my wife both. Good for you. Yes. Hey, listen, it, I, I model week? success, man. It's a it's a, uh, a uh, nostalgia for both of us, and uh, uh, we get to have a good night's sleep. And the next day, I'm on fire, back at my company, making a difference. So good for you. Good it's all good. You. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, I certainly know how to model success. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, so so Jim, obviously you you've gone, if I remember correctly, you had like gone under twice. Actually, I was at a birthday party. One of my daughters. And this guy was talking about business and success. And he said, well, you've been pretty darn successful. But let me ask you a question. First time in my life somebody asked me this. How many times have you been broke? I go, you know what? Nobody's ever asked me that. Mm. I said three times hard. Three times. Three times. Hard. Service station. Couldn't fill my gas tank. Yeah. Got dug out of that one. Paid it off. Became a better businessman doing that. Opened an auto parts store. Another little quick story. Once again, my parents had no money, no education, okay? My grandfather owned a farm. He passed away. My mom got $20,000 uh, uh, inheritance. 
At that particular moment in time, I was just about getting that service station. Been there for five years. Here I'm still at 10 o'clock at night. I'm pumping gas. It's raining and it's cold. The wind's blowing the rain right through my canopy. My buddies are pulling up outside. Hi, Jim, on the way to Hollywood. Okay, see ya. Now I'm locking up. The lights are half out. My buddies come back, pull up. Hi, Jim, how you doing? Great. <laughs> I want to be where you guys are. So I said, what else can I get into that I don't have to work nights and weekends? Mm. You know who makes all the money? Those guys in the auto parts business. I'm going to open me an auto parts store. If you love this store, I went down the auto parts guy I bought from. He was an old guy. He said, don't do it. There's no money in this business. You can't make your money. You won't be successful. In one ear, out the other. Bottom line, my mom loaned me $10,000. American Parts System put $20,000 in parts. And that's how I got started in 1965 in my uh, own auto parts store. What, what city? Uh, Fullerton. Fullerton. Yep, Commonwealth and uh, Magnolia. So in Fullerton. Okay, not too far from where your office is now. Right around the corner. Yeah. Because I'll tell you that story. That, that I graduated over there. So, uh, so I get in my... And now I've got a brand new auto parts store. No customers come to the front door. In fact, the very first customer. But I know automobiles like the back of my hand. I've been working on it for five years. And before that, I used to work on my side job with my kids from school. Yeah. I walked in the front door and said, I need a thermostat for my Chevrolet. Now I know where I know what it looks like. I know where it goes. I know about what they sell for. <laughs> I think I could find it in my in my auto parts store because it's brand new. I'm looking through the books, opening boxes. Sorry, sir, I can't find the thermostat. Oh shit! I mean, that was honest God truth. Now, let's fast forward. So your first customer walked out with walked out the door without buying anything. What a lesson! What a lesson! Now, what is the lesson in that? Before the lesson, I'll tell you the lesson in that. The auto parts business, excuse me, American Parts System said, Jim, what we usually do is we have a person come and work in our warehouse for three to six months to understand the part numbers, the auto parts, the business, the manufacturers, the codes, all the stuff you got to know about being an auto parts business. I said, I had a service station. I mean, parts are parts are parts. That's a waste of my time. Wrong. Mm. I should have done that. But in my eyes, I'm wasting those four sure, to six sure. months. So the lesson there is no matter what your business is, trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the mentors. Trust the people that are more knowledgeable than you. Glean from that information yeah. rather than be the information. Right, right. <laughs> I've been most of my life. So bottom line, two years into that, I'm building the business, buying more parts than I'm supposed to. Pretty soon I'm upside down. I think it was only 50 or 60,000. But once again, in the 70s, that's a a lot, a lot of money. Took me three and a half years to dig out of that one. Mm. But, and I'm still building a business, still building inventories. Now I've got three locations, 37 employees, doing a couple million dollars a year. I was rock and rolling. I had a, a machine shop building 300 heads and 150 motors a month. And Holy smokes. Uh, we were rock and rolling after 22 years in the, in the auto parts business. So I'm guessing then it was because of those auto parts stores you had that you go, I got to start doing software. No, let's go ahead and tell you how it really works. Okay. Here I'm in this auto parts store, and I've got a card system. That's how you did inventory control. On those little cards, I got two, sold one, turned upside down, called the warehouse, and called in the order. Number two, accounts receivable. I had a tablet with a carbon piece of paper. I wrote the invoice number and the amount down. 
For By the way, custom. for those of you watching and listening, a tablet is not the tablet like electronic <laughs> iPad like today. They're thinking tablet. Like, we're talking paper tablet. Like a fucking notepad. Stenopad. Yeah, stenopad. Stenopad. Yeah. A piece of paper that right. folds over right. with a piece of carbon right. paper. So you couldn't just hit send and have it. No, no, no. <laughs> you wrote it all out. You yeah. had it all up. Put yeah. the tape with it. Put it in an envelope and send it out. Yeah. Hope you got paid. The words transferred into this generation, but it's a whole different device now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Once again, worked with them. Uh, it took me three and a half years to dig out of that, but at the same time, I was still building the business and making it work. It takes a lot of gumption, a lot of balls. So here I am with a card system, manual stuff, writing out invoices, putting the date and the time every time on it. So here comes a company called Triad comes along with an auto parts computer. Mm. Now computers in those days, only the big bad boys had computers because they were very, very expensive. How expensive? In 1973, I paid 56000 for a computer for my auto parts store, and my new home was $34,000. Let's just say that again. In 1973, you paid 56000 for, for a computer system that, by the way, did no point of sale, no accounts receivable. It was just a inventory electronic card system. So what really... You're, the first iPhone that came out in 2007 had more computing power than that computer. And homes at that time cost 37000 At least your home did. The one I bought, brand new, was $37,000, and I bought a computer for 56000 Folks, watching and listening to this, uh, how hard do you have it now when you think about it? Like, this guy's co one computer that did nothing, did nothing but manage inventory, cost $56,000, where his home cost $37,000. Right now, you've got devices and connection to the world, and if you think that you have a problem marketing a Oof. product, you've got problems yourself up here. All right, so... I agree. There's never been... People say, everything's... A little story I heard. In 1951, some professional at the um, patent department said, I say that everything has been invented has already been invented. We're all done. There's no more inventions. Ha! Now, what, every 15 months, technology quadruples? Yep. Unbelievable. There's more opportunity today than ever, ever in yeah. mankind. Isn't that nuts? There's another great lesson there. That was in 1951, right? So in 1951, he says someone in the patent department, see guys, many of you weren't, I wasn't alive back then, but in 1951, Jim says that some, some cat in the patent department says, you know what? Everything's Everything that's going to be invented has, has been, invented. been invented. So we're good. Let's just close the doors. And today we're inventing faster than ever. Oh. And this is a testament to you could either be fixed-minded, closed-minded, and that guy was closed-minded. Absolutely. He just did not have any vision. Or you can be open-minded and growth-minded and go, how do I send a Tesla up to the moon? Because that's what Elon Musk is doing right now. He's got a rocket with a Tesla in it going, I'm sorry, not up to the moon, to Mars to Mars. Now that's ingenuity. Absolutely. We'll get to that in just a moment because I know we're going to talk more about cars. So you've got your $56,000 computer, right? Triad has come up Triad. with this model. And I've got, I bought this thing and now three different times because I'm forward thinking, come on guys, if I can get this out to point of sale, yeah, then you don't have to write out an invoice. It prints it. The, at, the, the legible, and when the price is it, it prices it correctly. You don't have to look in the book and flat finger and use a calculator, et cetera. Yeah, it it takes, away, takes away the human error. Three times I tried to put that out in the front counter, and it was so cumbersome, so ah, computer in yeah, those days. In those days. The guy said, you want me to sell parts, Mr. Franco, or you want me to work on this thing? You call it a computer system. 
pulled it back in the back office. It took me a few years to act. Actually, the software had to get approved by Triad. I had to adopt it. I was in on the committees to help design uh, what it needed for the auto parts business, et cetera. Then how did I get in the auto parts business? I mean, the computer business. You love this story. So here I am, three locations, have a triad. Um, Safeguard Scientific came along and says, Mr. Franco, we're looking at designing a computer system for the auto parts business. And we've done our research, and we found out you're pretty aggressive because not only do you have a computer system, you got a phone system that is rings weird and everybody says, you got a calculator that costs $1,500 for a calculator, not electric. That's just absurd. <laughs> yeah, an abacus that costs $1,500. $1,500 for a calculator that I could pull. Anyhow, my first phone was in my car, mm. $3,600 mounted in my car. Like Miami Vice. Right. Yeah. Then the guy walked in the front door one day and had a Motorola flip phone. I go, that's, I wanted one I could put in my pocket. That big thing you walked around with. I paid $2,700 for the first Motorola flip Holy phone. Holy smokes. <laughs> $2,700 for a Motorola flip phone. We pay, well, I don't know, what, near 800, 900 bucks for an iPhone now? 22 bucks a month, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun stuff. Yeah. But, um, Safeguard Scientific says, we would like to fly you back east and be on a, a committee to actually design the system. He said, you already have us. He said, yeah, but I need this. It should do that. It should do this. It should do that. Um, so I actually helped design the first autolog computer system back in 1978. Wow. Came back. They said, why don't you get rid of that triad? We'll put system in both the auto parts stores for free if you'll become a distributor. I go, well, come on, I'm running auto parts stores. Well, what do I know about the computer business? He says, you don't have to know anything. All you gotta do is show the people what you do, and they'll buy it, you sell it. We'll ship the equipment, we'll ship you the wires, all you gotta do is go out there, install it, and train the guy. And I said, wait a minute, so I have no accounts receivable? No employees? And you're gonna pay me 30% of $40,000, $50,000 systems for me to do that? Deal. So on the side, running an auto parts store with yeah. 37 employees, I started this little computer company called Unlimited Computers because my auto parts store was called Unlimited Auto Parts. Makes sense. So, so at that point, you had your first side hustle. That's what they call it today. It's a, there you go. A side hustle. Side hustle. Yeah. Right. Right. But as it developed, and I got more involved in it, I had my biggest year in 1984 with computers. I had three salesmen. I did three quarters of a million dollars in sales. The bonus I got that year for selling, I bought the company the next February for the bonus they gave me. The, you bought the company that you I were bought doing the this company for. that I was doing it for. How do you like that? That's how I got in the computer business. How do you like that? They came to me and said, listen, Mr. Franco, uh, we've been losing a million dollars a year for the last six years. Maybe because uh, they're paying you all those bonuses. No, because they had IBM sales didn't have a freaking clue what they were doing. Yeah. I'm an auto parts guy. I knew the auto parts business. Consequently, I was the top distributor in the entire United States. I got plaques on my wall, all that good stuff. But when they say they were going to close this thing down, I said, don't do it. This is one of the best systems out there. Well, if you want it so bad, buy it. I said, well, I haven't got much money. He said, we'll finance it for you. So I flew back east, and with the bonus money, by the way, it was they gave me $50,000. I had a 5% kickback, and I had 200 salesmen to share it with. Yeah. My share is about twenty-five grand. 
When I flew back east to buy the company, I used the same money they just handed me two weeks before as my down payment. It was 750 grand as a note I had to pay off over the next five years. But now I'm in the computer business. And if I remember this story correctly, Jim, that's when you loaded up a U-Haul with all the equipment and drove it across country to California. That's correct. From fucking A. From New Jersey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because they were in New Jersey based. They were in Jersey based, right? That's what yeah. Mac East to help them design it. And yeah. three years later, I actually bought the company. And uh, now, when I bought the company, six employees doing about 750 grand a year. I ran it with my auto parts store for about a year. Then, through that divorce, yeah. now I'm up in the, now I'm up in that area. So I uh, this is divorce number one. Uh, this is divorce number two, but two. it was counting. The first one I got married when I was 18 years old. That doesn't count. When I was a kid, we hadn't had a clue, and we were divorced four years later. Any marriage before the age of 25. 25. 25. 25. Today's 25, sorry. Any marriage before the age of 25 doesn't count. No, they don't work. No, don't. They're too young. I haven't got a clue. I'm just busting balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so you move that. I mean, guys, let me, let me just t talk to our audience here for a moment. There's so many lessons here to be learned. The man has so much confidence in himself. And we heard where the confidence came from, right? Dad, his original mentor, who always said, son, I believe in you. I know you can do it. I've got your back. Decides that I'm gonna take this bonus check this company gave me and give it back to them as a down payment so that now you've got a $750,000 debt that you gotta pay off over the next five years to own that company. And really, while you were selling their product, you didn't know anything about software and computers. Not You're an auto parts store. I'm an auto parts store. I'm a but user. You saw an opportunity but and I, you went for it. I saw it. the vision. Yeah. I saw, saw the, the future. Vision. Yeah. And so you bring it back to, the, to Southern California. And is that when you changed the name to Autolog? No, it was already called, called Autolog Data Systems in oh, New what? Jersey. Okay. So I just reincorporated called Autolog Computer Systems. And that's the, uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's the company that's still the mother load today. Yep. Yep. And I think you bought... Datatron at some point, right? Well, through the, actually, just like your book said, which you had to go through, once I actually moved to Buena Park, my location, yeah. and my auto parts store was two block, two and a half blocks away, closed it down, moved it over there, got a divorce, sold my auto parts stores, did the settlement, and I went over there with my Mercedes, my Pantera, I did have a Pantera. Pantera. What year was it? 74. 74 yeah. Pantera. 351 rear engine. I think it was fast. I'd be going down the freeway at about 60 miles an hour. Look at the guy next to me. I pulled back in the second gear, and I could actually light the tires up on the freeway. That's the guy would look at me going, wah! It was an unbelievable car. Never mind. I love cars. Those days, I love cars. Where was I? I was talking about... Oh, we were talking about Datatron and how yeah. you moved it. Yeah. So for the first 10 years, it was tough in the computer business. No. I had to build the business. I now, what years are we talking about here? This is, this is a 1985 to 95. Okay, so at this point... 10 uh, hard years. Okay. I was upside... There was a recession at that. You were going right through a recession absolutely. in the 80s, too. And I'm, it was so bad, so bad, that my sister Phyllis worked with me. Yeah. Six or eight other employees. Jim, I can't make payroll. You got to go sell some. I would get my ranchero out, load the computer in the back of it, and go on site and uh, have to sell a computer system and make payroll. 
It was tough. Mm. And some days, those days, uh, well, we're overdrawn $30,000. And so called the bank and just send back these two and uh, we'll have them pay those. And uh, can I be the bank by two o'clock in the afternoon? Not for a week or a month. Years. 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 It was the ulcers, the pain, the agony. It just, I couldn't, couldn't. <coughs> couldn't push over the top. And I would agonize over these beautiful double truck ads that my competitor Triad was doing. Cause now I'm a competitor to the guy I bought, right, remember? Right, I mean, right, right. I'm a to the guy that I bought a system from back in 73. Yes, yep. And they're big bad boys and doing multiple millions of dollars. Um, hmm. So one guy said to me one day, he says, you want to move the needle? Look at acquisitions. I go, really? He says, you'd be surprised. So ironically, this company in uh, Macon, Georgia, believe it or not, called uh, Service Triads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we negotiated, my sister and I flew down there. She actually wrote a check out of her personal checking account for $150,000. We made a deal yeah. to buy his company for 1.6 million. And she said, I don't have it in my account. He says, that's all right, just write me the check. That's your down payment, you can back, put the money in there. And, and that's how I did my first acquisition. Holy and since that time, I've done 17 acquisitions and took the company from six employees to 100. And I'm in uh, Mexico, Canada, and the entire United States. Corporate offices in Buena Park, Chicago, Iowa, New Jersey, and uh, Tijuana. Uh, about with another that? 30, 40 people offsite just uh, doing customer service, et cetera. So let's go back wow. into that period of where you were upside down. You're putting in, you're putting computers in the back of your ranchero. Ranchero was a Ford, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was. It yeah. was the ranchero yeah. was a Ford. And so, it, if those of you want to know what the ranchero looked like, it was like the, it was almost like the El Camino, Chevy yeah, El Camino, right? Right. right like right. a sedan with a pickup truck back. And I put a little hood on it. Yeah. And believe it or not, I bought a gurney. I really, I mean, Amos gurney. Okay, ready for this? Expensive shit, like a hundred some dollars in those days. But I could pull the little, I put the computer on, and that, by the way, I'm the, laughing folks, because folks, the computer, and I'm not exaggerating, this big and this thick <laughs> with an eight inch floppy that went in the front of it. Oh, man. Okay. Go, go Google floppy disk, guys, yeah, and you'll Google see what floppy he's talking disc. about. And then, you go, then when I bought my $56,000 Triad, I had the 56 inch platter. Mm. that you to take the thing out and put it in to do the backup and take it back in and out. Noisier and shit, didn't do anything. And then I had an eight, remember the eight, 10 uh, I don't, I don't. TIs, no. printers? No, but One it's, of those were on there. Is this that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got it. But the big, the big eight, 10. They're still sitting in the-, in the uh, Are they not a log? No, you can still see them in, believe it or not, some uh, museum. airports. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's almost like a museum. Believe it or not, see people say, oh, your software is getting old. You got to upgrade it a whole bit. Good I said, do you Lord. understand that the, the, the airline industry is still running on old cobalt green screen? And if you look behind the counter, you can see the, the login down yeah. here, but they've done a dashboard. Here's the pretty airplane, the blue seats, all the information you want to know. So they put a, because they're all running on PCs, yeah. but down here is an emulator running 50 year old cobalt. The banking business, most people don't know this, the banking business is running on 60-year-old cobalt, but it just works. It's but it works, tough. yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right, so let, let, let's, let's talk about this for a moment because, um, you know, we often talk about paying your dues. Mm. Like, there's a serious amount of time and energy and money one must put in 
to get to where you are today, to get to where we are. It's not an overnight thing. Overnight nope. success doesn't happen. I, nope. I first heard you say it. You said, you said, hey, I'm a 20-year uh, overnight success. And I remember first hearing those words back in the day thinking, holy smokes. Because, look, man, I would just see you pulling up in an Escalade and then pulling up in a Mercedes sedan, working with a personal trainer three times a week. That ain't cheap. And then you also said earlier, and you're out here at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Don't you have a job? Right, right, right. I got we my would, own business. Yeah. And what did that do to you? Mm -hmm. Beep. Right. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to be him. But... We just see the end result. Like right now, the young generation just sees the end result of he's got multiple cars, he shows up when he wants to the gym to work out three days a week with a personal trainer. The backstory of suffering for a decade plus at a time, ulcers, divorces, God knows depressions, right? That's paying your dues. And we talk about that today about paying your dues, but I think the young kids today think paying your dues is starting a social media account for three months, and if it doesn't hit 10,000 followers, then they, uh, you know, they shut it down. They go, I paid my dues for three months. What do you say to that? Don't give up. Get your dream, stay on it, work at it hard. Make the dream come true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it yeah. just takes dedication, hard work. Oh, another thing people say to me, you're so lucky, Jim, you get a business, you can just tell everybody what to do and sit back and just, do nothing and count the money. I go, you know what? When you're in business, you work the longest hours, you work with the least amount of pay, and you've got to be an example to show people, you got to build a culture. Yeah. got to build a culture. Let's Seriously. talk about that. Let's shift gears and talk about culture, you leadership. I mean, That's you've, important. Got, you've got an amazing culture. And I remember coming to, uh, walking into Autolog and just seeing the culture that you have. And people would just freely walk into your office and talk to you and thinking, oh, okay, that's what it's about. So how do you, what is culture in a business? How do you develop that? You know, and it took a lot, a lot of OGT to understand it. On because the job when was, training. When I was young, it was hustling for the buck. Yeah. I mean, it was almost borderline too much hustle. Too much all about the money. Too much about that guy's too expensive. Let's get somebody cheaper in here. I bought into all that the way the corporate runs. But as I grew in my business, especially in the computer business, I tried to surround myself, obviously, with great people and smart people. Because if I don't have a high school education, obviously, I don't have a Harvard degree. I had to actually get some talent around me. By the way, to that point, let's, uh, do you have a high school degree? Uh, no. You don't have a high school degree? No, it's in the mail. They're, they <laughs> promised me they're going to send it to me. I just... So I did, a whole, I did a whole episode about why college is a waste of time. Unless you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant, that college is a waste of time. There was such a big backlash. Ramsey. Yeah. Um, you know what he says? What's that? The best education, the most economic education to get you on the road to be successful is the trade school. Yeah. Yeah. And if you got the balls, get into a business. There you go. There because you go. there's that's your own destiny, but it's uh, it's not easy. 80% fail in the first couple of years, so yep. you got to pay attention. Yep. All right, so let's get back to culture. Yes. It was on the job training for you. Absolutely. When I did you learn that culture was important? Uh, well, I kind of learned it all the way back at my service station because my first employee, okay? Let's talk about that for yeah. me. My very first employee at my service station, I said, okay, I need help. Well, I don't know nothing about HR. I don't haven't got a clue. I just know I'm, I can pay somebody $1.35 an hour <laughs> to help me do what I'm doing. Remember, I'm working 14-hour yeah. days. Yeah. So I hired this guy, and my concept was this. If I can teach this guy to do what I do, then I can do 
more. Yeah. So it was an employee. It was a partner I was hiring. It was a friend. I'm going to mentor this guy to, to have him be as good. No, I want to be better than me. And I wasn't afraid to have that person and do that kind of mentoring all the way back my very first. So what I learned then is how to really treat employees. Mm. And I've been fortunate. Right now, I've got 98 employees, and my tenure is 14.6 years. Wow. That means I just don't, nobody leaves me. And the ones that come on board are youngsters, usually my, uh, uh, the people I'm trying to get in as uh, apprenticeship type uh, positions because my crew is, Obviously, after being in business for 35 years, some of my programs are getting up there in their 60s and sure. 70s, and I've got to look at getting some youth coming in. Yeah. But let's continue on the culture. I'm at my um, son's graduation party, and one of my daughter's friends, he works for the union, and he's a welder. I'm making 52 bucks an hour, uh, working hard. They take so damn much money out. I'm trying to get into the corporate more so maybe I can get out of actually being a worker and get into management. Uh, he started teaching, so now he's teaching welding, but now it's two degree, uh, two different um, 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 pensions. Yeah. Because when you're working, you're looking at what's the pension. So he kept talking about, and he said, sidebar, he says, and it's all corrupt. And I says, well, isn't Wall Street? He says, absolutely, they're corrupt also. And I said, watching television lady, what's our government like? They're corrupt also. I looked at my daughter, she works with me now for 10 years, and I said, I am so blessed, so fortunate to have created a culture that is good. My employees are happy because I give them their birthdays off. We have a credit card. Every one of my employees has a Visa reloadable credit card, Autolog on it, in their wallets. Every single day, my daughter comes in, she's responsible for this. Every single day she comes in my office and reads me off the emails that came in from customers complimenting employee, peers complimenting something employee did, somebody worked over and above after hours, whatever it is, and we'll go ahead and gift them $25, $50, $100, $200 card. But the magic is that email that came in from that customer about yeah. this employee, goes out to everybody. So yeah. I've created a positive input. Not what's wrong with the business, what's right with the business. Yeah, yeah, what's going right. How can we, and I, ch I challenge my employees, I put them under pressure, but I treat them with dignity, I treat them with honor, I treat them with respect, I make sure they all know they're smarter and better than me. I did a presentation. You've seen the pyramids in business where Here's the CEO, and here's the all the middle management, and here's HR, and here's the admin people, and here's the customers. Well, I did a presentation. I turned that pyramid upside down. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, the customer's the one that pays our bills. Carnegie told me that in his speech. They're the ones that write that check, our customer. They're number one. Okay? You're in face. Number two is admin, middle management. I'm here at the bottom. Holding up the pyramid. Absolutely. Yep. And I will do anything in this company. You see me in the back, up on the ladders, I have. changing light bulbs. I have, actually. I'm a hands-on entrepreneur, and my office is wide open. My customer will call me anytime. I'm an accessible CEO entrepreneur. And so, that gives my employees faith in the company. Yeah. We're profitable. 
<laughs> we pay our bills. No disgruntled customers, no lawsuits, no labor liens, no tax liens, none of that stuff. Because you know why? We just do business right. You just do, business do right. it right. It ain't that hard to do it right. It ain't that hard. In fact, it's easier to do it right. You sleep better. Somebody told me a long time ago, Jim Frank, if you put your energy into, <clears throat> I'll do some laundry right now, the drugs, the women, the alcohol, the gambling, you take that energy you got and you focus on a business and a woman, you're going to be a successful guy. And I did that. You did that. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> I cut all those other vices out yeah. and concentrate on one very valuable tool. Yeah. So people say, what really is the value? And what, what am I here for? What's life about? And I fortunately got it figured out. What's life about, Jim? Being a blessing, making a difference. Period, period, period. Joel said, I told you a little girl today, I just heard on the way over here today. Joel and Steve, listen to him all the time. He says, you want to be happy for an hour? Take a nap. You want to be happy for a day? Go fishing. You want to have it for a month. I didn't like what he said. He said, get married. I'm going to change it to go on a vacation. I'm going to tell it again. You want to be happy for a year, win the lottery. You want to be happy for the rest of your life? Be good to people. Make a, be a blessing. Make a difference. Help somebody be all they can be. And I'm doing it every single day. I've got 100 employees. I got 5,000 customers, and I got a family members. You know what? Here's another philosophy you might like, and I can mm. share with these guys out here. There's two worlds, ladies and gentlemen, that we live in. Two distinct worlds. One world is the world that you get to touch your family, your friends, the crosswalk person, the person in the restaurant, your employees, the people that you touch and feel on a daily basis. That's your world. Where you can make a difference, you can be a blessing, you can have a smile on somebody's face, you can create a business to create with employees, you can create wealth in your world. The other world out there, ladies and gentlemen, is what they call the media. Politics. The news. I do not watch television. I do not listen to the news. I do not want that negative crap in my brain. I want to see the good stuff. So what's the two worlds? Guess what? The world out there, you've got five minutes every four years. That's it. The rest of the time talking about everything that's going on in the outside world is a waste of your time, waste your mental energy, waste your voice. Mm. Think about what I just said. Because too many people are sitting around talking about Trump and this and that and the, and the stuff in the schools and abortions and all this stuff you have no control of, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, Worry is a state of mind you have no control of or hasn't happened yet. Memorize that phrase for the rest of your life. Worry is a state of mind that hasn't happened yet or you have no control of. Well, then don't worry because <laughs> it hasn't happened or you've got no control. <laughs> Let it go. Let it go. Let Jim, the Lord guide my steps each and every day. I got to tell you, man, um, I didn't know how this how this interview was going to go. You and I have got such long history whether we go months or years without seeing each other, or it's just a quick phone call. By the way, I love that y'all should know that Joan and Jim are the only two people who I'll pick up the phone, unless it's scheduled. If I have a scheduled call, I'll pick up the phone with a client. But otherwise, you, you, you don't text much. And I think instead of sending a text, you just do a call, because that's how you roll, and I love well, that. But only you I and Joan is when I pick up that. What's that? I can tell you the stories. I sit now. I've yeah. got a I've got a computer company, right? Yeah. I've got a computer and people all over the United States. Yeah. 
the emails, the back and forth, this and that, trying to figure out stuff. I said, every once in a while I go, anybody just pick up the phone? Watch. George, blah, blah. okay, got it. Thank you very much. Now, done. It's done, done guys. Pick up the phone. Right. You can sit and email each other 15 times for two days. Crazy content. Anyhow. Before we wrap this up, Jim, there was a story that you told me 15, 20 years ago. Um, I'm probably going to get it wrong, so I need you to clarify it. The message behind it was to show up different, and the way you showed up to this auto parts store it was either to make things right, something had gone wrong, or you were trying to get their business. You showed up with a box of donuts to an auto parts store. Yes, I did, on a regular basis. What, what, yeah, tell us about that. Why, why would you do that? What's the point? What's the purpose? I know the lesson behind it is to show up different and win the customer, but why don't you go into one of those stories? I just learned along the way that if you did something a little extra, a little special to a person to either remember you or appreciate you, or be thankful. One of those three things, positive thing. And stopping by and getting a box of donuts and walking in there with a box of donuts, it just uh, lights up people's eyes. Yeah. And anything you can do like that. I, I, had, a, I had a salesman, I know when I had my auto parts store, a 3M guy, every time he came in, he had some little goodie, some new type of tape or stick on this or whatever. It was always fun to have items like that. That was sure. just, and I remembered that. So I try to adopt that same concept. Yeah. Walking there, by, by the way, when I ever sign a contract, I hand the guy a really nice one of my pens, sign the contract, that's for you to keep. Keep the pen. Thank you. I mean, it's not big. It's just the gesture. Yeah. To that point, I remember the pen seeing, I see, saw a pen on your desk, and it was a Mont Blanc, and I didn't know what a Mont Blanc was. Um, those of you who don't know what a Mont Blanc is, look it up. It's got a five-pointed star, white star up top. Uh, it's got an amazing story behind it. Do you know the story by the, of the Mont Blanc? I don't. All I know is they're about three, four hundred dollars each. So here, yeah, they're they're very expensive pens. So here's a story. That's a five. That's the Star of David. Oh, that's the Star of David. I did not know that. And apparently, huh. Hitler's regime had hired, well, hired, commissioned because they weren't paying him, a young Jewish man to make the best pen possible for Hitler. And he set out to make this pen. He was an amazing craftsman. And he set out to make this pen, and he hid the Star of David, the five-pointed star, on top of that pen, which is obviously a, 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 a nod to the, to the Jewish culture, right? Sure. And so there Hitler and all the entire Nazi party had a pen made by a Jew with the Jewish star on top. He got the last laugh. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a powerful thing. But that's how Mont Blanc came to be. But uh, again, modeling success. I remember seeing your Mont Blanc on your desk. And at some point, I, had, I used it for something. And I go, holy smokes, this thing writes well. I know. And the first, do. the first treat that I got for myself. Couldn't afford a watch or a nice car at that point when we were still starting out together. I went and got myself like the Mont Blanc and that thing was just everywhere with me. I can't tell you how many contracts and deals that I've signed with that. A few years ago, I lost that and I ended up getting another one. But um, yeah, I, I love those Mont Blancs. And again, it's just another example that you led with. Let me throw something in that's really important for these audiences, these youngsters, okay? The mistake that business people make, they don't understand that the money you're bringing in 
90% of that money, 90 cents on every dollar goes back out. Mm-hmm. What happens to small businesses, that money coming in, it gets distorted in their brain and they start using that money for personal things. Yep. And pretty soon you build up your personal monthly nut to where it's out of out, control. Out, out of control about what you're coming in. So one of the advices I'll give to everybody, put your energy, effort, money into building a business. Keep your personal life expenses low. Guys, you hear Gary it Vaynerchuk. Easy. Vaynerchuk talks about that all the time. And he, Take it easy. Yeah, he, he beats that drum to death. So Gary Vaynerchuk is... Um, as a gentleman on the uh, social media platforms and stages, et cetera. And he always talks about, hey, man, you could either buy the Porsche now or you could save and buy the Porsche dealership later. And I really love that mindset, that Perfect. mentality, which is something you've, That's you've instilled done. in me from years ago. I've done it. Yeah. Properties. Yeah. Okay, this building, you, you remember? I said, I do not, whether well, it's my auto parts store, I bought the, it took me five, eight years to buy that one. Yeah. The big building I'm in now, yeah. I was paying three partners, what do they call that, uh, money, every month yeah. just for the opportunity for right of refusal. But that money was going towards it if I bought the building. If I didn't buy the building, it was just thrown in the toilet. Yeah. I did that for six years to buy the 18,000 footer. Good for you. Because I was, I knew that, by the way, once again, if you get into business, please try and buy the property because over the 10, 15, 20 years you're in business, pretty soon you got a building that's worth half a million, 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 half dollars. And that, uh, most people retire on. When they're small business, they get done, yeah. well, they retire, and they got their buildings. That's big, big, big news. And you're paying rent, paying the payment. It's about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I, if I had rented this building instead of buying it, my rent was going to be sixteen thousand. My mortgage is seventeen thousand a month. Why not buy it? Exactly. And now it's already gone through the roof and value. Absolutely. And your rent today would have been twenty thousand, and you're still only paying right. seventeen. And, ladies and gentlemen, the write-off, the depreciation, the interest, and the expenses on buildings is huge in your tax returns. By the way, huge. Yep. Yep. And so, renting, you get nada. Nothing. Jim, let's finish off with one thing. Obviously, uh, you, you've been a very successful entrepreneur. You are a very successful entrepreneur. Offices all over the country, uh, employees all over the country. You've done well in life. You're 76. You're going strong. Why not retire? People are asking. Why not retire, Jim are Franco? Are kidding me? That would be the biggest waste of my precious time that I could ever. How can I continue to be a blessing and make a difference? I've got another acquisition lined up. I, I, sometimes my acquisitions take three to four years to nurture. Sure. Because how I did most of those acquisitions, Pete, there were, there were competitors, the same exact business I'm in, which is computer business with recurring revenue. Okay? I see them getting slowed down, maybe getting old. I am friends with all of them, and I tell every one of them, I really like buying companies and help out the, the owner to retire. Yeah. And I'll take the, the employees and the customers, and away we go. Well, the way I bought them, I didn't have any money. So I talk them into, I give you a hundred or 200,000 down and carry that million and a half, two, three million dollars over the five to seven year period. And uh, they get to retire, and I pick up phenomenal talent employees. Customer been with me 15, 20 years and products. I wrap my e-commerce products around it, put my marketing on it, and I lift those companies up. I don't tear them apart. I lift them up. Mm-hmm. Very successful. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
And to it that point, works. yeah, it retiring works. is the fastest way to death. I'm sorry. Let me finish. My father, 95 years old, he worked every single day of his life to get to 95. Five of his best friends in Dixie Cup, when he retired in his 60s, 65 area, five of them died within eight years after they retired because they had nothing to do. Yeah. They got nothing to put their teeth into. They had nothing to feel the satisfaction of getting up every single day. That's huge. I'm going to retire never. Good. Never. Good. Now, I would, I, when I was young, 12, 14-hour days. I explained those to you. Right now, because I'm this maturity and I'm, I under, you know, there's seasons in life. As long as you understand and respect those seasons, who you are and what you are, what the, sorry, I knock out my microphone every once in a while, but I recognize who I am and where I am. I go to work at 8.30. I'm done at 1.30 in the afternoon. I only work four days a week, so I'm working about 25 hours a week. But I've got more energy, more balls, more drive, more ideas, more creativity in those six hours in the morning than all the rest of my crew put together. Amen. What time do you wake up? 5.36. 5.36. Automatic. No alarm yeah. clocks. Yep. Yeah. I, and by the way, news for everybody, you want to really have a really fine life at my age? Every single day around 2.30, 3 o'clock, I take a 45-minute to an hour power nap. And I've learned how to relax myself with biofeedback, bio self-hypnosis, uh, relaxing techniques where I can actually relax my body. I can slow my heart rate down. I can slow my breathing down and go to, it's almost like a trance. For a what a renaissance time. man you are. Well, only because then I wake up and I love to cook. So I'll cook a full-blown meal for my, yeah. me and my wife most, most every evening. I like to think all that was because of your awesome trainer 20 years ago. <laughs> Or not. There you go. <laughs> hey, by the way, what what time of the day do you work out now? I I'm, I'm in the after, I go home. To, I'm very honestly, I take my power nap. Yeah. Uh, about four o'clock, I get up on uh, usually Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, three times a week, and I'm at Gold's Gym. Uh, it's right down the street from me. And with my new insurance card, it's all free. So sorry, boot camp. I don't have to pay anything. I get <laughs> to go to any of those gyms. Do you have a personal trainer? No. No. Well, come you on. Do it on your own. You come taught on. me. After me, what do now, you need? How about this? I got two titanium knees. Right. I've got three, four, and five fused in my back because yeah. I was very athletic. Horses, race cars, racquetballs, racquetball, you name it, I did all the sports. So I kind of was hard on my body. Uh, so I've been with this personal trainer. I mean, not, excuse me, they're not personal Physical therapist, probably. There you go. Yeah. And they have a nice little gym over there. And his office has taught me some techniques. So what you've taught me, what they've taught me, and I got it. Good for you. I know how Very to do the reps, sure. and I know how to do yeah, that yeah. stuff. And I know how to do the jacuzzi and how to do the steam room. I know how to do this really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know you're, you have wisdom when you call it a jacuzzi and not a hot tub. That, I love that. I love that. Just, just the, 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 the cool ways that you, that you drop nuggets that really show your wisdom in years and maturity. Like, you know, jacuzzi is a brand. But that's it was, true. It was such a popular like, brand, like, like Kleenex and Xerox. Coca-Cola. Yep. Right? Yeah. But really, it's it, jacuzzi is no longer popular. But oh, because of tub. the generation that you're from, it's the jacuzzi. I get it. I get it. But we call it a hot tub. And I can call it both because I can straddle both sides of the fence. Jim Franco, man, this was an amazing opportunity that you gave us to interview you. I know that this was a neat ride going back in time yes. with you. Number one. Number two, my audience, I can tell you, loved it because, you know, we've, we've sold almost 40,000 copies of my book. It's become a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Cool. 
your name has been read by so many people and for them to actually see the person, meet the person. Um, I know it's a, you, you've bestowed a lot of wisdom on my audience as well. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you, Jim. Peter, thank you so much for having me. It was yes, a pleasure sir. and fun. And by the way, your facility is to die for. Good thank job. You. Guys and gals, thank you so much for watching this episode of The Empire Show. I know you really enjoyed this episode. I want you to do one thing. I want you to take a screenshot of it, post it, tag a couple of friends. I want this episode to be the most watched and listened to episode of all of our shows. Have a great one.